His belief wasn't just in knowing what God was saying. It was dependent on his will, his will, Abraham's will, matching the will of God. And so he went. So you can't say that your will matches the Lord's if you're not moved. And if you do not move, I say, oh man, where is your faith? If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Ty Hua, here with my co-host John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today, we're talking about what you need to do if you feel like your pastor is the main reason you can't get anything done. It's time to have a crucial conversation. Hey, John. Hi, Ty. How's it going? Good. Good. I... I'm excited for this topic. Now, I, I am. I want to throw a little disclaimer out there. I'm. I'm worried that people will hear that topic title that we threw out there, and uh, and get real worried that this is all about blaming the pastor, and that is not what this is about. This is about having those crucial conversations. That happens to be kind of a hot button topic, so it's a good one to talk about. But it comes down again to the individual that we're speaking to, the individual Catholic ministry professional. Yeah, I'm. I read the notes on this episode and I went and almost broke out my dancing shoes because I, I felt like we're going to have to tiptoe around <laughs> a couple of points because you're going to have those people that are like, I, yep, this is exactly what it is. I knew the pastor was a problem and that's not what we're talking about. So absolutely not. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we're going to dive in. Of course, if you have any feedback or any thoughts on this topic, as always, you're welcome to go to CatholicMinistryProfessionals.com. Send us a message. Uh, but I'll start out with a little, just a little story time of a, of a moment in my professional career where I did approach my pastor with something that I felt like uh, we could do better. And it, it did hinge around the way that he was leading us, in particular, the way he was running our meetings. And we're probably we we were probably unique in that parish in that we were the only parish that had bad meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure nobody else can vibe with that. But they they were really difficult. You know, they I really struggled when I started that parish to understand what the purpose of them was. I, I felt like they they very little they all they had to do was getting ready for Sunday, which is not a bad thing. But I had very little to do with getting ready for Sunday as far as running the mass. Um, beyond that. They didn't tie into the mission of the church in terms of this is what we're working on now and this is how it ties into that mission, you know, the mission we just got done talking about um, in the last episodes. But most of the time I found we would we would divulge into kind of gossiping about parishioners. And that, and that really bothered me on a deep level. And I, and I wanted to try and find a way to avoid that. So I after a few weeks of this, a couple months of this, I thought, you know, I'm a professional. I, I feel like I need to talk to Father about this because I, I really I think these could be a good thing. We've got a good team of people, but we need to be having conversations that lead us towards fulfilling that mission that Jesus sent out. And I decided I'm going to sit down with Father. I'm going to have this really important conversation. And I sat down with him and I, I even said, Father, I'd really like to talk about the way we do meetings here. Is it OK if I find some time? Um, he said, sure, let's let's put a date on the calendar. We sat down. And it was amazing because he he knew I was coming in with some some form of criticism, and he immediately his whole body language is a very warm priest, very warm person, especially one on one. That's usually 
we get into this meeting and it's like he put on his suit of armor and his whole body language just closed off. His face was completely indiscernible. So, you know, I, I go from being like, I think this is going to be a good conversation to, oh man, I have to, I'm giving a presentation and father's not into this. <laughs> he does not want my suggestions. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to just tell him and I it just kind of fell out of my mouth. I was like, our meetings are bad. if you can imagine one of your staff coming into your office Ty, and just be like hey ty the way you run meetings is bad it has happened (laughs) oh fair enough maybe we can hear about that a little bit and to say father did really good with me because i was not prepared for that conversation as much as i thought i was but i came in i i Gave my spiel. I said, hey, are you open to some new ways of doing things? Of course he said, yeah, I'm, I'm open to it. You, you bring them to me. We'll see what we can do. Um, but at the end of the day, even though he said he was open to it, he wasn't. Um, he was really close to retiring. You know, he had been doing this for 40 years. Who was this young pup coming in with his opinions on how things should be run? Uh, but regardless of all of that, regardless of the efforts, what really, what really was a failed attempt on my part to have that crucial conversation that I thought would lead to change. Um, the important thing that I really believe and we'll talk about, the important thing was that I had the conversation. I really felt like I owed this to God to have this conversation. I felt like this was a necessary thing that would help us to implement the mission. Um, and over time, what, what it gave me time to do was, was realize that it wasn't going to change and it gave me permission to put less emphasis, less time into the team meeting personally, because I realized that father wasn't using it for that purpose. We didn't have the same expectations, the same goals in what that meeting was meant for. So when I did contribute, you know, it was kind of to speak into the mission. It was kind of do those things. But ultimately, I was obedient to what I felt God was calling me to do. And we're going to emphasize this a couple times, but we were called not to be successful. We're called to be faithful. And in that, there is fruit because there was fruit that was born of that crucial conversation, which was a camaraderie with other members on the team who, who kind of felt that same way. We were able then to find other ways to have the important conversations we need to have since they weren't necessarily happening in the context of the team meeting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's also very disheartening. So just having one person stand up just to say, hey, our meetings aren't as fruitful as what you may perceive them to be allows other people to say, yeah, you know, he's, he's got a point versus just, I've got to be able to contribute to this meeting. So I'm also going to gossip. I'm also going to say things that I probably shouldn't say. So we're not leading people to be faithful. We're just leading them to gossip. We're leading them to things that aren't building the kingdom. So good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be like, I was nervous and sweaty. Right. And and we'll go through what are some really good tips. And I, I didn't really do any of them. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I I think that this is something that it's a failure on my part or something, at least that that didn't go uh, the way that I hoped it would. But we can all hopefully learn from. So we're still looking at those three pillars of the Catholic ministry professionals framework, starting with better conversations, then moving on to better work, and then a better you, becoming a better professional, a more holy professional. But this is the third part of that first pillar. We've talked about how we need to discern God's mission, what he's put called us to, and our own apostolates within the church how to then frame that and share that with others so that we can share what God is doing right now in our parish. And now I'm excited about this because kind of from here on out, it's where the rubber meets the road. We know what God wants. 
We can even share it. But now we're looking at how we implement that mission. And so what will you do when God calls? It's gut check time, right? There's a common theme that I've noticed in the church, which is that we tend to complain about things that bother us, but we're not very quick to actually fixing them, right? And that might be whether your volunteers are flaky, our music's bad, right? Or in my case, just I, I felt that the pastor wasn't leading meetings well or effectively, right? We've all got these things. Um, complain, but then never do anything. Well, if God is calling you to this, you got to do it. Isn't complaining part of the catechism? At least the Baltimore catechism? <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, I'm still working through the catechism in a year. I'm not even sure what's in there. The Baltimore catechism is <laughs> a lot shorter, but I think that's where... I'm just kidding. It's not in there. <laughs> well, it's funny because as we were getting ready, as I was kind of making the notes for this podcast, I did run across a quote from the catechism, which I do think is is very useful. This is catechism, um, catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 143. And in the catechism, it says that by faith, man submits his intellect and his will to God. With his whole being, man gives his assent to God, the revealer. Sacred scripture calls this human response to God, the offer of revelation, the obedience of faith. So again, I have to say, once you know what God is calling you to do, you got to share it and then you have to act on it. It's not enough to know what God is calling you to do. It's not enough to know where the, where the brokenness is that he's calling you to heal. You have to then act and you have to be that healing. You have to be the person who will go into that gap between where they are and where they need to be and to help lead them there. And this goes all the way back to, the, this has always been a part of what God has called us to do. This has always been a part of his story for us, even going back to Abraham. Abraham was called by God to go. Abraham didn't even know where he was supposed to go. He just knew he was supposed to go and said, I'll show you the place you're going to go. He believed and God credited it to him as righteousness. His belief wasn't just in knowing what God was saying. It was dependent on his will. His will, Abraham's will, matching the will of God. And so he went. So you can't say that your will matches the Lord's if you're not moved. And if you do not move, I say, oh man, where is your faith? Mm -hmm. You know, another example that comes to mind when you talk about listening to God's will is Jonah. You know, the, the part of the story where everybody wants to focus on is him being eaten alive by a whale or a really big fish, and he's in the whale's stomach for three days. Now, we can have a separate discussion of if he was alive or if he was dead in the stomach. I'm team he was dead, and God raised him from the dead. Um, but leading up to that story, he is a prophet, right? God tells him to go to Nineveh. And what does he do? He goes the opposite way. Right? He knew God called him to action. No, go to Nineveh, preach there. And he goes the other way. He goes to Tarshish. And there, you know, the, the waves get kicked up, the wind's blowing. All of these fishermen are, are just wondering what's going on. And Jonah knows exactly what's going on. Like, God is calling him out. Like, dude, I told you to go to Nineveh. Where are you going? So in this moment of, I know God's calling me to do it, but I just don't want to. It's uncomfortable. I get the weird sweats. I, you know, step on my tongue and I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. 
right? Like you said at the top of the show, he's not calling you to be successful. He's just calling you to be faithful. So do the thing that God put on your heart. Like what a, what a great example or else God will have a whale eat you. <laughs> He'll have a whale eat you. We talked about in this, you know, these last couple episodes, how your ministry dies up and dies. If you're not fulfilling that mission, if you're not bearing that fruit and even St. Paul says this, right? He says, I came to you not speaking in human eloquence, right? He's saying, like, I sounded like an idiot, but I still did it. You know, that there's a reality that we're just called to be faithful to what the Lord is calling us to do. And, and how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, it's in relationship. That, that's what it is. You know, when we look at Jonah, he was called to be in relationship, right? Share the message. Tell these people this. And he failed to do that. And again, St. Paul says, Faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. What happened to Jonah, right? The belly of the whale dead. Three days, right? That's what happens when we don't fulfill that. So the most effective way, right? The most effective way we do this then, this this movement towards fulfilling the mission, it's in it's in relationships through conversation, intentional conversations, and what we're going to call crucial conversation. So for every single thing that you need to accomplish in ministry, there is going to be a conversation that needs to happen. And these are those crucial conversations. So it, it might be something positive, right? You might just need to ask somebody to go grab coffee because you really want to encourage them to step into a leadership role. Yeah, you might, and that would be a positive conversation, but also maybe you're not super outgoing, so that's really uncomfortable for you. Or it might be something that's more difficult. Maybe there's a volunteer that is actually driving people away. That's a tough conversation mm. to have with that volunteer, even because they probably have the best intentions, but if they have no idea what they're doing it or they're doing it all in the wrong ways or maybe they're weird and creepy, I don't know. If you have to have that conversation where you uninvite a person from volunteering in a specific way, that's hard, right? Or maybe I need to talk to Father about the person that he brushed off when they came up to him before Mass because they just want to get their baby baptized. But he said, I don't have time for you right now. Because he was get he was focused on getting the mass ready. And I, I've seen that happen. Yep. Those conversations need to happen. Be like, Father, we're we're trying to bring people to Jesus here. Maybe, you know, soften the tone a little bit. Right. Those are not always easy, but they are crucial to fulfilling that mission, to building the culture that we want people to experience when they enter the church. Well, I'm pretty sure every Catholic ministry professional, when you talked about the person that's just not really doing a good job, somebody popped up in their head. The image of that person popped up in their head and they're like, mm, I know exactly who you're talking about and I need, I need to have a crucial conversation with them. In that conversation, I mean, it might just literally be, hey, we're going to, we need to modify it this way. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you can't do this anymore. And honestly, I would say if it's at that point, it's because you failed to have a crucial conversation earlier on where you could guide the way they were behaving in that ministry. Um, so I, here's some, some, especially given our topic that we had, right? If, if you're having difficulty, and we'll, we'll lean back on, if you're pastor, you feel like the way they're doing things, it keeps you from being able to do your job effectively. I just want to throw out some crucial conversations you may need to have with him. The first being, what are the decision-making rights related to your position? Do you have to go with him, go to him with every little decision you make? Or are you really in charge of your program? And as long as it's in line with his vision for the parish and what, you know, you're on the same page with that, 
You have freedom to make choices. So decision-making rights. If you're having trouble um, being able, then you, you maybe you need to run every decision by him, but you can't find him. You can't ever seem to get on the same page and you're always running last minute. You're like, Father, I need to talk to you right now. Ask him to schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting. That's a crucial conversation, especially if you're having trouble connecting. Um, another one might be you just you need to define what success looks like for your position. Maybe you're on completely different wavelengths about what your job actually it is and what you're trying to accomplish. So defining success, um, even then sitting down. If, if he needs to be in on every decision, prioritize those objectives and tasks. Ask him to help you. Okay, then I need to know what your priorities are so that I can help get this done. Another one might be professional boundaries. Maybe you're being asked to do too much. And that is entirely possible because when you find one good person, your, your tendency is just to heap more on top of them and just add to their list. And you're a Catholic ministry professional, so you're probably exceptional at what you do. So you need to say, no, you know, Father, this is too much. Like, we've got to find another way to make this work, right? And this isn't an, an exhaustive list, but I would say those are a handful of conversations that you can sit down and you can have. You don't have to have them perfectly, but they can help you to kind of flesh out here how do we move forward and, and move beyond this particular frustration in your work. Yep. And let me offer just a little bit of advice going into that conversation, that crucial conversation. I'm going to give you an acronym, CPR. So if you've read the book, Crucial Conversations, CPR really helps to soften that conversation to where it's not a personal attack, right? Father, you're terrible at meetings. It's a different aspect of going into it. So the, the C stands for content. What are we talking about? The P is the, the pattern. We got to establish a pattern. Hey, Father, we've had several meetings now where they all have the same types of things that are involved in it that aren't very efficacious. They're, they're not effective. They don't help build our ministry. All we're doing is talking about insert parishioner, right? In May, we talked about that parishioner. In June, we talked about that parishioner. And then in July, we talked about that parishioner. I don't feel like it is very good for us to talk about that parishioner in a staff meeting. And then the R is the relationship. Here's how it's affecting our relationship because now we're not having good communication about how we're working our staff meetings, but we're showing the new staff that this is what staff meetings are all about. It's about gossiping. And I don't think it's going to work. We need to change something, right? So CPR going into that crucial conversations takes it from being a personal attack to, hey, let's change things. Let's, let's put it into action. And, you know, it's based off of these patterns that I'm seeing and not just one or two things that happen to me that I keep playing over and over in my head. And now it's, you know, in my head, it, I feel like it's happened a thousand times because I've replayed it a thousand times. Have the right content, the pattern that has been established, and how it's affecting your relationship. We've thrown a lot of information at everybody, but let's attack, let's maybe approach, let's maybe tackle some of those potential disagreements, those potential areas of, of disagreement people might would have as we move into Devil's Advocate. Dun, dun, dun. 
I was thinking we need like the law and order. Dun dun. Yeah. Or like the sizzle of a a steak on fire. <laughs> With someone screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you tell it's Lent? I'm I'm talking about steak. <laughs> so strategic conversations feel manipulative. You know, I I don't want to have that conversation because I don't I don't think the spirit is moving me in that direction because I you know, they might they might think that I have a ulterior motive. What would you say? How would you guide somebody to have that crucial conversation? Yeah, I would, I get this. Cause I've, I've heard people say this to me before. When you talk about being so strategic with your conversations, because you know, it might not just be talking to someone that you've got an issue with crucial conversations mean identifying those key people you need to talk to and seeking them out. Right. So it's strategic and that feels kind of like a gross word to people, but it's not. Stra- strategy doesn't mean manipulative. It means intentional. So you, you can't disciple anyone. Even Jesus, he picked specific people. He sought out specific people. It wasn't by happenstance. He just wandered by that person and said, hey, you, you follow me. No, he picked specific people. It was strategic. It was intentional. And you can't, you can't disciple someone without being intentional. And you can't grow a church or a ministry without being intentional. And, and actually being intentional reverences the person in front of you with the dignity they deserve being an individual made in the image of God. It recognizes their value and it, and it seeks to then enter into conversation about that value and how it can be of service to the kingdom. But I would also say that not being intentional is is why a lot of RE programs are not effective in actually discipling people, right? They might be effective, they might be intentional about the way they implement their programming, but often if it's a canned program aimed just at educating the masses, it's not a guided intentional process that's helping an individual draw near to Jesus, right? There, there's not a lot of strategy in the person that's in front of you if you're just talking to the group as a whole. Do you think there's any correlation to not being intentional and then having to replace your catechists every couple of years because you're not discipling them? <laughs> um, yeah, and my thought on that is is probably yes, because if if you're... The way I heard that question is if your catechist is not being intentional in discipling somebody, they're not fully invested in those people. And if you're not fully invested, then you're, you're not going to feel that desire to continue to grow. But the other side of that, too, is if a catechist isn't invested and they leave, then those kids on the other side of it or those people you're trying to disciple don't experience that relationship as it grows and develops and evolves over time as someone who's really deeply invested in me. Where do we go from here? What are some actionable steps that one could take to improve? There are three steps that I'm going to throw out there, and they're things you can start doing right now to to be strategic, to be intentional with the people that God has placed you in this leadership position over. Um, The first one is just to begin making a list of crucial conversations that need to happen at your parish. And and you're going to use those tips that Ty talked about, that acronym, which was CPR, um, when you have those conversations. But start making a list. And it, it like I said, it could be big things, it could be little things, um, but start start listing them out. You know, maybe you need to talk to somebody about the programming they use at their parish because you heard it that's on fire, but you keep putting it off because you're so busy here, write it down because the next step is 
then you need to prioritize that list. You need to prioritize the conversations in order of urgency, the time needed to prepare, put a priority on them, and then once you've got them prioritized, start scheduling them. Put them in your calendar. Make a commitment. Reach out to the person. Say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this and this and this. Um, can you find some time to do that? It gives them a chance to prepare and come ready, uh, but it also it it says we're going to do this so that we can move forward because, again, your will, if you want that to match the Father's, right? If you want to have that obedience of faith, your will has to match the Father's, not just in your mind, but through your actions. So begin making a list. Once you have that list, prioritize them and then start to schedule them. And then I, I do have a few tips for having those crucial conversations. Ty, I think that CPR acronym is great. So go ahead and rewind back in the podcast and find where that was to, to get those. But I, I would say there's a handful of things. If you're going to have a, a difficult conversation, especially, do the spiritual work in advance. Again, all of this, it, it finds its source in Jesus Christ. So do the spiritual work and intercede for the situation. And I would even say, not just praying, fast for it. Fast intentionally for these things. Because there are some spirits that can't be driven out except by prayer and fasting. And so if there's a spirit of negativity there, just don't let it have any room to play. Um, come prepared with the facts. Don't just list the, the how annoyed you are. Come prepared with the facts of the situation. This is what happened. These are the dates. Ty, you did a good job of relating that earlier. Um, listen to their side. You're going to have to listen. You know, what is their story? What were their expectations coming in? Um, and then finally, have an offer prepared yourself. Have, an, have a solution prepared for how this could potentially turn out. But I would even... Before that, see if you can find a way that they can offer a solution because then then it's moving from within them. So especially with those difficult conversations, see if they can if you can get them to offer a solution. How how would you how do how do you see this being resolved? All right. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. And if you found today's show helpful, share it with your pastor, share it with a friend in Catholic ministry, and then leave us a nice review. It helps other Catholic ministry professionals to find the show. Uh, If you want to share a story that you think would be helpful to other Catholic ministry professionals, please visit catholicministryprofessionals.com and send us a message. We'll see you in the vineyard.